The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. What can you foresee that could actually bring both the writing as well as the leadership skills and how that can actually be drawn into a job that I can do. Hey there, in today's episode, our listener Bree shares her story of experiencing a bit of a role reversal with a partner moving from full-time parenting back into the workforce. And with that asks, how do you combine multiple skills and passions when you have a passion project like writing books calling you How do you balance that with a leadership role and overseeing big projects at work? And Brie poses a query that I think many of us face. How do you approach tasks that you may be skilled at and there's demand for, but no longer find them interesting? How do you do that balancing act and still earn a sustainable living that lights you up? And on deck with me this week from the Sparked Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is the founder of Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier, and coaching program for writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, trusted advisor, and coach, Cynthia Morris. And quick note, hey, you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. Well, what is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work, life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, well, they begin to make more sense. And until you know yours, we're, we're all kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Bree's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark. Hi, Jonathan and the Brains Trust. My name's Bree. I'm a mum of three beautiful little boys, six and under. I have an amazing husband who has had a bit of a mental health journey over the past few years. And the last 12 months has come to a bit of a head, um, which has made us pivot and completely flip our lives around. Uh, He's gone from um, doing full-time work to being a stay-at-home dad. And I've gone from being a stay-at-home mum to back to work, luckily from home though, which has been great. I'm working for uh, a not-for-profit in Australia and we're actually helping small businesses. And so I'm actually quite lucky that I get to be around great entrepreneurs and innovators on a regular basis. And so my role uh, has actually changed a bit as well in that capacity. So I originally came on as a contractor for the small project and facilitating that. However, it's actually evolved and I'm now um, in a leadership role and overseeing a bigger program, which is really exciting. And it's always, I suppose, changing the goalposts a little bit too. And so the other love that I also have is that I have this pull at the moment to write two books. I want one to be to my like to my kids about my experiences because I don't think that enough of us as parents record that or tell our kids. And so I thought that would be a nice way to do that for when they grow up. And also, I'd like to write a book to my peers um, and people like me about motherhood and my experiences, as well as how I've coped with being a support person for a loved one who's going on the mental health journey. 
And so the writing at the moment is making me pretty excited. And what I'd really like to know is what can you foresee that could actually bring both the writing as well as the leadership skills and overseeing a bigger program, how that can actually be drawn into a role that I can or or a, a job that I can do going forward. My spark type, the primary is the advisor and the shadow is the sage and the ante is the essentialist. Um, with the essentialists, I am actually quite good at those tasks, but I definitely find them quite monotonous to do. So it'd be really interesting to see what you think and, and what you guys come up with. Thank you. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors. I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Okay, Cynthia, so a couple of different places I think we could dive into with Bree's question and her beautiful setup. So many people I feel like, you know, have gone through these shifting roles, sometimes role reversals, sometimes almost like tossing the baton from one person to another in a long-term relationship or a marriage. And that's happening professionally, it's happening personally, and it's navigating new relationships, it's navigating new social dynamics, new family responsibilities, new work responsibilities, but also sometimes one person who maybe is stepping back into some sort of like mainstream working world type of role and having this moment, like an opportunity to reimagine what they want to bring to it. It may be in a way that they really haven't considered and thought about in a long time. Yeah, and Brie is really lucky that she's found a scenario, a situation that seems to light her up and challenge her and allow her to use her skills and gain some new ones. So I love what you said about having new relationships. And this is kind of how I think of Brie's situation with the writer, the desire to write coming up. What I would say is start to develop a relationship with your writer, Brie, to like, who is that writer in me? What does she want to write? How does she want to write? And to create some structure around that new relationship with writing and with your writer. Tell me more about that, though. You and I have had variations of this conversation a lot of times over the years, um, both of us being writers as well, and both of us having these other full-time jobs, sometimes multiple jobs. And it's interesting always trying to figure out like how to do that dance of like where is where does it weave into the mainstream work? Where does it not weave into it? Where does it actually make sense to absolutely draw hard lines about what comes in, what comes out, and where the writing exists? But but even with what you were just sharing, sort of like really getting in touch with the writer. Tell me more about what you're talking about here. 
Yeah. It, I've been coaching writers for decades, like two decades. And it took me, I feel really kind of embarrassed to say this, but it took me like 17 years before I realized that the whole external kind of structure, like I will write on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays at four o'clock till five, that that doesn't work. It might work for a week or two. And then, you know, something happens in life and throws us off. So starting more from the inside out and developing a relationship with the part of you that wants to write, giving that a place in our lives seems to work better and last longer. So things like knowing what's important about writing for you. And one of my favorite prompts to give people for reflective writing is a prompt that's, I write because. So mm. set a timer for seven to 10 minutes and and just riff on that and let yourself flow and see all the things that are in there about what makes you want to write. Where is that inner fire and what does that look like for you? And then you get some clarity about, oh, here's what I want to write. And these are the subjects I want to write about. And to start making dates with your writer. Like, when do you feel like writing? Just stop and do some writing then. You don't have to necessarily make some big external structure. And even 10 minutes, a little bit at a time, makes a big difference. That's one of the biggest, how would I call it? The biggest mistakes people make is thinking they need to set aside an hour or two to write. You will never do that because we rarely will make that amount of time. So giving yourself short bits of time to write, that's just one one mechanism to kind of get over that thinking you need to schedule it and show up for it on a certain day and time. Yeah, I love that because it's building an adaptability and it's acknowledging the fact that we all have lives outside of this. The only times that I have been able to have that structure are when... I'm literally, I'm, I'm writing a full length book. Um, it's under contract and I am under deadline and I have procrastinated so fiercely that I'm at like that final window where if I don't wake up in the morning and have a designated block of time to write, I'm going to blow past my deadline. And then all sorts of other things get triggered, which are not good. So, but then it's, it's a very unusual context also in that I'm actually I'm writing under contract and under deadline, and there's an expectation and there's an investment of time and energy and resources in me committing to that word, which is not the reality. You know, that's not the scenario of 99.9% .9 of writers out there who just are writing for a vast, you know, array of different reasons and different contexts and, and maybe don't have that same ability to, or, or motivation to literally you know, like have to build this force structure into what they're doing. But and I kick and scream against it until the last possible minute because exactly what you say, it doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. Well, and so for Brie, I would be, she says, I feel a pull to write. I'm excited about writing. And I would just jump on that train of her enthusiasm. Like, What's exciting about it? Honoring that sense of, I want to do this because I have something to say. Mostly it sounded like she has something she wants to share. She wants to share something with her children and with her peers. And so to just start building a little bit of structure around that, and that could look like having a notebook that you jot down ideas in, or if you do a digital notebook, maybe you have a file just for the kids and the stories you want to tell your boys. Maybe you have a file that's more for your peers as a mother. 
and having that ready so that you can just dive in and and really I'm I'm kind of the it's just, it's kind of not the way I think people think of a coach but I'm always telling people to lower the bar lower the bar <laughs> lower your expectations get rid of even the idea of writing a book the b word will ruin your writing because it's just too much it's too big you get caught up in thinking it's got to be this whole big thing and and if you're just starting out just start small and start with your enthusiasm and and maybe even don't worry about writing well or knowing what you're doing. I think sometimes the most, the best writing can come from this unselfconscious. I'm just writing this intimate thing to you, my kids, or this intimate thing to you, my peer. I just, I just want to tell you about this, the way you would share something with a friend. Yeah, I, I love that because then you're also, you're writing with a different set of expectations. It's almost more like you're writing because it's a thing you can't not keep to yourself rather than writing to the expectations or perceived standard of acceptability to someone else, which is never going to be accurate in the first place and also just puts so much pressure on you as a writer. And writing, there's so much pressure. The first, the two things that people mostly feel when they're starting to write is, do I have anything to say that anyone will care about? And Mm. is it any good? So it sounds like Brie feels that She's clear she does have something to say to these two different types of people, her children and her peers. And so if we can just reduce that other one worrying about if it's any good. The thing about that unselfconsciousness is that you're allowed to, you're able to have your voice, your true authentic voice. And that is the thing that makes writing good is just writing from your authentic voice. So the more you can release ideas or pressure of what other people are going to think, or is it good, the better the writing will be. Yeah, I love that. So it's interesting because, so Brie basically teed up. She said, you know, like, I, I, I've i got this fun, like job and, and now she's overseeing a bigger program. And, and you could, see, she literally said, I'm really excited. You know, like you could feel the energy in her voice. And then right after that, she said, you know, I also have this pull at the moment to write two books, one to my kids about my experiences and one to my peers um, about motherhood and my experiences, how she's coped with being a support person for a loved one who's going on a mental health journey. But then she also said immediately after that, and the writing at the moment is making me excited, but what I really want to know embedded in her question is, she says, what can you foresee that could actually bring both the writing as well as the leadership skills and overseeing a bigger program? How can that actually be drawn into a role that I can, or a job that I can do going forward, which is actually kind of a third type of writing that she's talking about in my mind there, because the first two, you know, like the the book or just the thoughts or, or stories or advice for kids, that's one thing. The shared experience as an adult human being who's going through life and a mom and a partner in life who's also, you know, supporting um, financially and being a supporting role to a loved one who's going through, as she described, the mental health journey, that's one thing. And then there's this third context of integrating more writing in into the leadership skills and program development and her day-to-day work, which to me is actually a whole third thing. Yeah. And, and I wonder if you might approach those three different contexts differently. Well, whenever there are... A variety of things. I'm always looking for the unifying factor. And the thing that I'm seeing with the first two that might also be in the work role is it's she wants to share things that people aren't 
sharing. So she said, I want to share this, but mm. because I don't think parents share these stories enough. And then the peers, like support for a loved one going through a mental health journey. I'm just assuming that there are a lot of people that aren't talking about that. There may be shame around it. There may be just not those mechanisms for sharing. So that may be the case for leadership and the program she's developing. What are people not getting that she sees that she has a unique vantage point on? That seems to be kind of her angle is sharing a unique vantage point. I think if if we're trying to right away jump to monetizing or making it something that's in our professional realm before we've even had a chance to do the work of writing and the practice of it and see how it feels and how we like it and what comes out, we may just kibosh the whole thing before it started. This is just a lot of pressure to try to figure out how it's going to show up in a professional context. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, the the other thing that jumps out at me is that so Bree, as as she shared, she is her primary spark type is the advisor, and that's all about guiding others through some sort of experiential process of growth. Her shadow or secondary runner up is the sage, which is all about it's turning the lights on. It's it's a process of illumination. It's awakening insight and others. So what's interesting to me here is the the advisor is a very, very deeply relational impulse. You know, it tends to really come most alive and be most activated when you are in direct relationship with others. Whereas the sage can really find a, a high level of expression in illuminating or awakening insights, but sometimes you don't necessarily have to have that same depth of relationship. You may just be able to distill wisdom into something that really gets passed on, maybe through a book, through a speech, through a video, whatever it may be. So it's almost like I see the sage being more easily satisfied through the writerly process. Mm. Whereas the advisor, in my mind, it can you can provide, you you can play the role of guiding others through growth. Writing can absolutely be a part of that process. But I've also just seen and been in conversation with uh, so many advisors over years now and seen how how just deeply, deeply relationship-based it is that I, I wonder, it's going to be an interesting dance to sort of like devote more time to writing. And I'm curious to see how that would affect the fulfillment and the expression of the, that advisor's impulse at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm an advisor yeah. and um, an advisor maker. And the thing that surprised me when I read about this in your book is that the advisor isn't about telling someone what to do, which that as a coach, that's not my training. I don't tell people what to do, but instead about creating a safe space and a connection. And so I think how does the sage and how does the advisor create a safe space? If Brie is writing her stories and then ultimately sharing them, there's a, a super strong intimacy when people do that, when they reveal something that has been hidden or unspoken or perhaps not acceptable. And I keep thinking of Glennon Doyle. Mm -hmm. I don't know what her sparker types are, but she had that blog, The Momastery, where she was really telling the truth about her experiences, the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly, and how much that resonated with people, how much of a safe space that created for her readers. And then she went on to write books and speak and has a great podcast. So that's one example of how somebody could use their writing and their experiences to both share the wisdom of things they've gone through, the sage, and also kind of advise without advising, but just saying, here's what I went through and it's okay if you're going through this too. 
Yeah, you bring up such an interesting point. As you were describing that, one of the things that came to my mind also is this notion of writing as a way to, or hoping that one of the effects will be to let others who interact with your writing feel like they are not alone in their experience of their life, of the world. And in doing that, I think when, you know, as we said, you know, a big part of being the advisor impulse is creating that safety, creating a safe container. And a part of that is allowing people to know that they are not the, the weirdo over here who's the only one feeling that, that actually I felt that too. And many other people feel that. And to a certain extent, it normalizes the experience. And that that alone can have this sort of like ancillary effect of creating some level of safety because now I'm not alone in this experience. Yeah. Just getting started with the writing is a way to get to know yourself. And well, what do I say about this? Or what are my thoughts about this? Or what do I feel about this? And how do I want to convey it? What are the stories I want to share with my children? And that's getting to know yourself on a, a totally more intimate level, getting to know your writer self. And the the reason I like to think too about kind of having a separate role for the writing and not just thinking about it as an activity to do, but as a relationship you're involved in is then then you're going to be able to cultivate that over time and get to know it and flow with it, flow with that part of you in life, rather than it just being um, something you're trying to make yourself do or make time for. I think we're largely relationship oriented. So that perspective on it can can help make it easier to find that intimacy with ourselves and then share that at some later time with others. Yeah, I love that. Um, I also love the fact that like so much of what you're talking about here is giving yourself the freedom to let the writing take you where it needs to take you. And 100%. Yeah, that I think it's so important, you know, because even you know, like before the process is already done, Bria has identified there's this one thing like that I'm being called to do for the kids. This one thing I'm called to do for my peers. And then there's this one thing I'm being called to do for those who are in work with me. But what so often happens is once you start writing, you start to realize, oh, this actually is calling to become something entirely different than what I imagined. This this happened to me. Yeah. I was I was literally under contract to write a book. I was doing the research for the book. I had started writing it, I'd written a 60-page proposal to sell the book to my publisher, and I'm months into it. And I'm start and literally like the process reveals that this book is not ready to be written. <laughs> At least not by I me. I remember that. Right. I remember you going through that. And it was so validating for me because that's what everybody I have ever coached on writing a book goes through. The book has its own say. And it, it's weird because it sounds all new agey and weird. Like, yeah. I'll just plan it out. Just outline it. What's your problem? But it's strange how the writing, once you start to meet it, it meets you. And then it's formed in the relationship. So this is why I don't want people to spend so much time planning and outlining and thinking about it. You just want to dive in as soon as you can. And I always think of you because I'm like, even Jonathan Fields, <laughs> you know, like he's not some like new age, like out there. So disconnected from, you know, his ideas that he can't pull a book into form. You're a seasoned author. So it's the nature of the job that we only know so much. And then we just dive in and let it inform us. Yeah. And I think that is the beauty of... That's the one of the beauty of writing it, it for me is when you you hold it lightly and because the writing will tell mm. you um, so much that you never saw coming and that, and when it does, on the one hand, it rattles you, it knocks you off course if you're doggedly attached to this outline or whatever it needs to be. But if you let go of that and you just say, huh, 
So it wasn't what I wanted. It's not what I expected. Yet here it is. And it could take me in a whole new direction and teach me things and allow me to express things that I never thought about or, or realized I was feeling or had something to say about. And yeah. how cool is that? If I allow myself to see it as something that is, you know, like possibility driven rather than, oh no, like this is, this is a calamity I have to resolve, then it just, it, it opens channels in a way that you never saw coming, which to me is just incredibly exciting. Yeah. And, and it's such a mystery. It's really strange. And when you said, you know, we were talking about what it does, the writing that comes from that place that you're not in control of is often way better than anything you could think of. And it's just so strange because writing is a cognitive process, right? It's using language and, and, uh, and yet it seems to often come from somewhere else. So I would just start with what appeals to you and flow with it and see what's there and let that lead you. And it will likely lead to things that you and I couldn't foresee and Brie couldn't foresee. I mean, Glennon Doyle didn't foresee where she's at now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> she just started writing and then sharing and it was resonating. Yeah. So if we start to come full circle then, and we kind of go back to where Brie was and her questions, you know, and she brings up these really three different contexts of writing. What's like a first step in, like, it, what, do, you, do you choose one of these and sort of like start to do the dance with one? Do you just start to dance with all of them and see what happens? What's, tell me like, what's your approach here? Just sort of like as the, the opening moves. Yeah. So when I say get to know your writer, that means just start start writing and you set up whatever structures work for you. So for me, I would have a notebook, but you might not use a notebook. You might have a digital file that you open, whatever that thing is, have, have a container for the writing and then start writing letters to your kids. Maybe you write a little bit every day. Maybe it's just 10 minutes like, hey, here's what I want you to know. Keep it really casual. Keep it really true to your voice and the things that you want to share without making uh, any big fuss around it. What are the things you might build into your container? You might take a class. You might join a writing group if you need some external structure or if you want to learn something about the craft of writing. It sounds a little bit like personal essays. You might take a personal essay class. That just depends on your style and your time and all of that. But you don't really need a class whatever structures work for you to get going. So one of the things I would also do is, let's just pretend you have a notebook and that just makes it simpler to talk about. In your notebook, in the front or the back, keep a list. And anytime you come up with an idea, oh, I want to tell my boys about this, or oh, I want to tell my peers about that, just write it down. Just add to your list as you go, because these things are going to pop up all throughout the day and night. And then when you go to write, like, oh, I've got 15 minutes before I have to go pick up the boys. Let me just do some quick writing. You can look at your list and boom, you've got a prompt that you can start with. And then you can keep adding to that and adding to that as you go. And if you want to have any sort of tag or tab or something that delineates the writing for your boys from the writing to your peers, you can do that so that later it's easier to go back and find stuff. But first, just draft a bunch of stuff and get it out and see how it feels. Give yourself a month to just write and develop that and see see where it leads you. I love that. I, I actually have a, I have a digital version of that. So I keep... Um, I, I keep a, f a folder and in that folder, are a whole bunch of ideas for books, but also they're just like these general topics. And underneath one, I'll just be walking around one day and I'm like, Ooh, here's like, here's a, a thought or an essay or an idea that I want to go deeper into. And it's under this particular one, you know, like topic. I'll just jot down like the thing. And if there's anything else, if there are any specifics that pop into my mind, 
I won't even try and like craft them. I'll just jot down a couple of like almost keywords so I can kind of remember, oh, I want to make this point about this. Yes. And then I just drop it into the outline. Um, and I know that on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I want to I, I dive into it right now and just start writing and, and deepening into it and teasing it out. But on the other, what I've, what I've so often found is that if I don't do that, if I know that I've captured, I've captured enough of just the seed so that whenever I go back to it, it'll kind of jar me to remember what I was thinking. But if I don't immediately sort of like go into exposition around it, and I just kind of let my brain subconscious mess around with it, and I have no idea it's messing around with it, then a couple of weeks later, I'll be like, oh, oh, this just came flying back into my mind in a much more formed and different and more nuanced way. And I'm really glad that I gave myself that sort of like subconscious incubation time because yeah. it's going to be so much better now. Yeah. I love the seed metaphor you're using because I would actually say it's not just a seed, it's a seedling. And I learned mm. probably the same thing you did. Like if you just put a seed, um, you go back and look at it later and you, you think, oh, I don't have any idea what that means. But if you add a few leaves, a couple more words, then you're like, okay, I know what that is. And then the whole idea of what's happening with a seed or a seedling, it's growing underground without you even knowing. And then when you go back later, you've got something to add to and, and build on. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Well, wait, I think, wait, yeah. wait, before we go. <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit more about your process because mm. you're a great writer. You're a consistent writer. You write a lot. And you said, when I'm writing a big book, I have to kind of force myself and that makes me do it. But you write really consistently and you write a newsletter, I think every week. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're writing your keynote speeches and a lot of other things. So my guess is that you're writing more consistently and you don't have to force yourself to do it as much. Can you tell us a little bit about what your writing relationship looks like? Ooh, it changes <laughs> on an almost hourly basis. But I, I do write a lot and I write pretty regularly in different contexts, like you said, regularly to newsletter readers, regularly because, you know, I'm scripting intros for, uh, you know, like uh, two different podcasts on a regular basis, or I'm constantly capturing ideas for future books or newsletters or essays. So for me, I spend a lot of time in capture mode and and I, I've learned to let stuff sit, not just because I incubate it and like I've, I realize that I come to much better ideas, but also because sometimes I come back to it and I'll be like, I really don't care a whole lot about that. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, it just doesn't mean what I thought it meant to me. And I'm really glad I get to just put a line through that because I could have spent a couple hours fleshing it out and detailing it and then having like, then I wouldn't have those three hours to do something else or return to something three weeks later when I'm like, I care deeply about this and I have a whole new level of insights about it. So I do a lot of capture and and step away. So when, is that, when you say capture, is that what you described earlier? Yeah. You, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like literally just a little, like you I love the analogy of a seedling instead of just a seed. I, Cause I will write enough. So it may even be a couple of sentences, but rarely yep. more than that. Just enough so I really understand like where yeah. my mind was at when I put it down, but it's really not fleshed out. Yeah. And then I'll and then I'll go back to it and and sometimes I'm just I have no interest in it anymore. Or like I'm like, yeah, like this is 
now I'm coming to it with a whole different sort of like set of it, it's much more developed. And eventually, you know, I'll, I will, um, like I, there's a, there are two books that I, I'm sort of like loosely working on in my mind right now. And they're kind of building the structure and the, and the main ideas are building themselves gradually over time, in part because I'm running two companies right now. I don't have time to sit down and devote, you know, like daily blocks to writing these things. But they're kind of starting to write themselves in bits and pieces and nuances and ideas in the background over time. So, and at some point they'll they'll reach a point where I'll start to say, okay, it's time. And in fact, I'm we're building right now the opportunity for me to devote potentially a full month to writing later yes. in the fall. So, yeah, but I it takes me literally an entire a year to um, well, do the work to be able to carve yeah. that out. And that's that's why I wanted to talk to you about the writing you're doing on a consistent basis, because that is different than the big book thing. Yeah. And that you just seem to roll it in your newsletters have great voice. They're they seem very fresh, like you're you're writing them just very intimately and directly off the cuff, which is the kind of stuff I think Bree is wanting to write. So it just seems like you've got it rolled in you sounds like you're writing all the time, like I am. You're just always writing a variety of things. I wanted I wanted us to hear about your process because this is what I mean by having a relationship with your writer. Mm. You don't have to schedule that. You don't have to tell yourself to do it. You don't have to reprimand or make yourself do it. You're just showing up on the regular to write the things that you want to write. Yeah. And that's what I want for Bree and for all of us that that we know we know our process. You know your capture process. You know what works for you and you, you just do it. Love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All of those Fantastic insights. And I feel like I've learned a ton now. Um, so this has been super beneficial for me as well. I hope it's been insightful and useful for Bree and for all of those others who are hanging out with us in our listening community. Thanks so much for being with us. We will see you on the next episode. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.